What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 78 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by Noise.co.uk and sponsored by Stereo Brain Records. I am your host, slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and I'm joined by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. Mate, how are you? Could be better. Could be better. What could be bad? Off work, nice and chilled. There's some cool albums. No problems at all. How about you, sir? Two weeks left there, bro. Two weeks left don't and do the pain, that. Don't the pain do that. starts don't... all over again. In fact, like, don't, don't do that. You might notice, actually, listeners, by the next time me and Sam do an episode, we'll be like probably one day away from going back to work. Our mood might oh. have significantly declined by then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the reminder, bro. Oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. Dude. It's like, imagine me being the beast, being like, this beach is great. You'd be like, silent killer, though, in it, the sea. <laughs> but... They're just sort of strolling away. Mate, usually September would be our least favourite month of the year, but mate, releases in September this year, behave. Just off the top Absolutely. of my head, Employed to Serve, Sleep Token, Rivers of Nile, Spirit Box, Thrice, and Mastiff. And that's off the top of my head. I'm not. That's not counting like the other other albums that'll be coming out in that month. Uh, Wraith, Wraith are releasing album in September as well. September 2021 is going to be, I think, in terms of this podcast, like historically looked back on as a month that was absolutely wild. I think uh, November 28, 2018 or 2019 was a wild one for release as well. I think in that month we had uh, Stray From The Path and uh, Sleep Tokens debut, I think. And there was another record that I think came out in November that we really enjoyed. But, mate, this September coming, I, I can't believe. It's so stacked. And we, we can't say which records. We received two of those records that I've mentioned earlier today did you listen to either of them yet no that is tomorrow's joyful time are you gonna jump in on them both tomorrow you're gonna get in early doors i am gonna get in early doors mate just obviously don't message me full details but message me immediate thoughts man because both you may i love both of those bands like so you uh, you let me know what we're saying on those albums i'll be communicating in just purely from gift form (laughs) Which is our usual conversation anyway. Oh, no, no difference. Uh, We are are a fortnightly rock and metal podcast sponsored by Starabrain Records. We're available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Basically, wherever you get your podcast, me and Sam will be there. Follow us on Twitter at Noise Podcast. Both me and Sam run that account. And the best way to support the show is by subscribing on YouTube or liking slash following, depending on whichever podcast service you are using. On this week's show... We're going to run through the news. Album reviews come from Hooded Menace with the Trisness Bell and Between the Buried and Me's Colours 2. As you'll notice by the title of this tra- uh, episode, there is no guest, there is no Chris Meats. For the first time this year, there's no guest on this episode. And that is, it's really bothered me to be honest because I kept it running on every main episode, literally from the start of the year. I managed to get a guest on every single one. I did do an interview on Thursday evening. However, I can't say which interview that was, and the PR has requested that it doesn't come out until early September. So that is why we haven't got an interview this week. I did have one scheduled to be on this episode, but the PR has requested that it's gonna that it needs to be out at the start of September. And me and Sam are not in the business of winding up the people that make this podcast possible. Um, so yeah, apologies that there's no guest. However, loads of good stuff for us to talk about. Speaking of which, Sam, we are going to start with Bloodstock. They have announced 17 bands for their 2022 festival. Uh, Actually, Sam, it probably makes more sense that we start this off by saying it looks like uh, Bloodstock 2021 went off without a hitch and everyone had a wicked time. And Bloodstock, I've got to say, they did a tremendous job of managing through the amount of bands that had to pull out last minute and they immediately had people in reserve able to come in. So first of all, amazing that 2021 went down brilliantly. I saw some of the shot, mate. Malevolence looked absolutely amazing, man. Dude, imagine Malevolent Bloodstock. That would have been some nastiness, man. Yeah, I, I saw some of the clips. Did oh. you see that there was about, looked like a 15 round mosh pit? Yeah! Like, Brilliant. Sort of recorded behind, like, that middle point of the stage that you get with, like, Brilliant. the second speaker and stuff. And, like, the rest of it in front was just a pit. It was extraordinary. What a band. Amazing. Um, man. Shout, shout, shout to Bloodstock. Shout to Bloodstock. Um, it's it's tough to do this in these circumstances even now. And as uh, the big festivals with the download pilot, people are still figuring stuff out. It's good to see that Bloodstock are back on the bandwagon and we can look forward to next year's, hopefully, with even less worries and concerns. And I tell you what, mate, look forward to next year where you can because here are the, the uh, bands announced so far. 
Lamb of God, Merciful Fate, Dimu Borgir, Testament, Buried Tomorrow, Violence, Philan Salmo and the Illegals, Sacred Reich, Gwar, Exodus, The Black Dahlia Murder, Static X, Heathen, Bloodywood, Life of Agony, Night Fright Orchestra and Butcher Babies. Mate, what a start. That last band. Yeah, <laughs> mate. I, 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 I've is it Night Flight? I think it's Night Flight Orchestra. The, I've never heard of them before and the font is quite difficult to read. I'm going to think that's Night Flight Orchestra. Anyway, Sam, what a start. Mate, Black Dahlia yeah. Murder, Exodus, Bury Tomorrow, Dimu Borgir, Testament, Lamb of God. Bro, I mean, yeah. please? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a terrific a terrific lineup for for extreme metal fans. But also, once again, Bloodstock manages to cast the net across all the different sort of genres um, that are that are available to the average metal fan, um, and gives them a terrific platform. And Lamb of God are going to tear the place a new one oh, as they do yeah. every single time. Um, I'm I'm very open to attending that particular festival, mate. Uh, it's when we're going to be off work. If the lineup continues in this form. Me and you will be at Bloodstock 2022. Quick question, Sam. Phil Anselmo booked. I'm un I'm quite uncomfortable with it. Are you uncomfortable with it? I'm a bit uncomfortable with it. I am, I, I'm, I am also a little yeah. bit uncomfortable with it. He's doing a Pantera set as well, which appears to be yeah. a bit of a PR thing for the, what was it, the second or third year. Because mm. uh, currently that he's done that sort of thing. It doesn't feel great at all. Um... But I don't, I don't even know what to say anymore yeah, with, yeah. With, 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 for the Phil Anselmo situation. It's clear that he has some views that are just horrendous and somewhere along the line, people have, or society has just decided that we don't care about them anymore. It, it yeah. just it just seems really, really strange to me, which is a shame because obviously me and you both adore Pantera. Yeah, I'm, yeah, we've spoke about our love for Pantera previously. Yeah, I'm not going to go too far into detail on that. There's not really much for us to say. I was just curious if you were with me. Uh, yeah, I'm uncomfortable with that. I really would... I really dislike that Bloodstock have continued with that booking. Regardless, the rest of the festival, amazing. I don't think they could have, you know... Minus Phil Anselmo, I don't think they could have made a better opening here. I'm absolutely buzzing to see what the rest of the festival is going to have in store. Uh, Sam, something else that happened at Bloodstock that I'd love to go into a bit more detail with you on. Do you remember, I think it might have been two episodes ago, that I was talking to you about... Ed Sheeran had been asked about the bands he used to listen to. He mentioned that yeah. Cradle of Filth are one of them. Danny Filth put out this tweet kind of welcoming it. He was talking about like Dracula's Castle on the Hill, anyone, yeah, which yeah. was which was class. I love that. Dude, now, I don't know whether to take this with a pinch of salt or not, and we can discuss whether I should be taking this with a pinch of salt or not. But uh, uh, there's a decent chance, Sam, that this might actually happen because Danny Filth was interviewed at Bloodstock and he was asked about... This this uh, this kind of comeuppance with Ed Sheeran being a fan of Cradle of the Filth. And this was his response, Sam. I've actually been emailing with him. No, no, it's true. He actually touched base with me. I've been invited up to his place. Well, he said he could come down to mine, but I pointed out to him that I don't own any bar or village and it'd be better if I went there. He said he'd do anything, quite literally. He said he's a massive fan. He seems like a genuinely very nice guy. I think the Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran collaboration would be great fun. I think it'd be great if we did it for charity because at least it would bring a bit of credibility to it. Because obviously to his public, it'd be like, oh my God, he's got this weird comical guy. And to my public, it'd be like, oh my God, this is a bit weird, isn't it? But I think that sort of thing, never die, works. Sam, we were talking about this and we were saying that like it was nice that Danny Field kind of welcomed it and didn't like shun it. But we said there's no chance it'll actually happen. It's just a fun little thing for us to think about uh, and, a, and a nice response to a nice tweet. But it appears that something might actually happen. Me and you were like, there's a 10% chance of this happening. Sam, I think there's like a 45% chance of this happening now. I would I would welcome this with open arms. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, I just think... I'd... Brilliant, absolutely fantastic. I think it's fa I think it's uh, I think it's wicked that somebody that's as publicly famous for writing pop songs as Ed Sheeran is open uh, publicly to metal and that history and stuff like that. And as uh, someone that's as got the sort of reputation and appearance as Danny Filth, should we say, <laughs> is is publicly open to collaborating with a pop star. I think that I think that'd be terrific for the genre. I've got no issues with it whatsoever. Um, I just God knows what it sounds like, but who cares? How fun would that be? I'm, 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 I'm so into the idea of it. We don't need to be 
gatekeeping, keep metal metal and keep pop music, pop music. And absolutely not. Like if this can, if this could be interesting and fun, then by all means, this is what happens. So here's me kind of presuming there's ignorance on the side of the people that work with Ed Sheeran. Dude, do you think if the people that work with Ed Sheeran and kind of not make decisions for him, but uh, kind that of, you know he signed to their contracts? Do you think if they were to find out or to be aware of the merch lines that Cradle of the Filth have come out with over the years that they might get in the way of this? Not because Ed Sheeran wouldn't be able to tell them what he wants to do. What I mean is, if Ed Sheeran is signed to a contract with his label and they kind of own distribution for him. Would they get in the way if they see some of the merch lines that Crowd of the Filth have put out over the years? I think they might express some level of concern, but really, given that Ed Sheeran is the cash cow that he is for them, I think you just—I think you really would just be like, okay, well, if you don't want to have me contracted to you, then I'll just work with literally any other <laughs> record label distribution company, anybody else. I don't, I don't think anybody's got any sort of position. There, there, are certain, there are certain musicians that just transcend business dealings and their contracts are usually like not ironclad as such, but almost the opposite of that. That gives them a bit of creative freedom and mm. they just they just get to, they just sign a contract that says, I get to do what I want and you just, just put it out. Yeah. So nice, just get to that point. Um, like, I mean, like imagine trying to tell like Beyonce when to put her album out like i just it's not a conversation that takes place is it mm. um so i think i think that ed sheeran's probably in that world um i don't imagine that ed sheeran will be putting out um t-shirts in the same manner that Crade no of no no i just mean if he's le- um, if he becomes tied to the crowd of the filth name in some form and his management find out who exactly crowd the filth are there could would, there could be an issue. I would love the I love the possibilities of just like melding the two things together. The, the, the idea of like a Dracula's castle on the hill with a literal Dracula's castle on a t-shirt would be sick. Yeah. As well as I'm in love with the shape of you, but instead of you, it would say something like the I'm in love with the shape of Lucifer or something yeah. like that. It'd just be it'd just be amazing. Like there could be so many like rooms of creativity. Really, just have some fun with this. They do it for charity and things like that. It's it's a perfectly good good PR move. I I got loads of time for this. Respect to both of them. Absolutely. I think the charity thing could be a real vital cog in the wheel. Because let's say that the label that Ed Sheeran is signed to or the contract that he's signed to states that his next four album releases come out on that label. In the, if that was the case and this is, let's say they made an album of this or some or an EP of this, whose label does that come out on? Like, contractually, Ed Sheeran would be... And I don't know this, I'm just coming up, I'm hypothesising here. Contractually, Ed Sheeran would be obliged to release it on insert label that he's on, and they could be like, well, we don't want to be associated with Danny Filth considering the merch lines and the things that Crazy Filth has sung about previously. And that's where I'm thinking that could become an issue. However, if it's for charity, and there's no one that's going to actually make a financial gain from this that could be a vital cog in the wheel of this actually happening. Does yeah, that make I could, sense? I could, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it, it does, because it, it takes away the um, the need to capitalise on it. Um, and it, it just seems like a nice thing for people to sort of do. Um, there's nothing stopping Ed Sheeran from, like many artists, just forming his own record label for the purposes yeah, of this, yeah, yeah. his own distribution company. And yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Fil- filtering, it, filtering it out that way. Um Plus, obviously, Danny Filth could distribute the album with a horde of bats just dropping it off in various people's <laughs> yeah. chimneys, yeah. Um, which could also work quite nicely. But yeah, I, overall, I'm, I'm pro. I'm pro this whole idea. I can't wait to hear it. And even if it's terrible, don't mind at all. Not a problem. Who's it going to hurt, man? I love the I love the idea of metal exposure, and this is going to be fun. Like I said, I, I still don't. I still think it most for me. I think it's forty five fifty five that it won't happen, just because it just seems so. Such an incredible, crazy idea. How could this possibly happen? Do you know what I mean? Uh, so I'm going to still say 55, 45. It doesn't happen. But if it does, I'm all for it, man. That is amazing. Uh, Sam, just a quick note before we get on to album reviews. Trivium's 10th album, In the Court of the Dragon, has been announced and it's out on October 8th. Not a great deal that I'd like to go over with you here, Sam, with the exception of... Have you noticed how... All of a sudden, there's a real momentum that seems to be behind Trivium. I have, mate. Now, I have. 
they were one of, me and you have had discussion many times and we're not going to have this, this discussion again, but they were one of the four that me and you said are the mid-2000s, them, Killswitch, Bullet, Avenged, you would have assumed would have been the new big four and only Avenged really reached that status. Well, yeah, I'd say that Avenged probably, yeah, Avenged did reach that status. I was, I was trying to think of no one's reached Metallica status. But Avenged have, have, have reached the arena level superstar band status, yeah, haven't Avenged they? Have, no. Avenged headline downloads. Yeah, yeah. Um, none of uh, none of the other three bands quite have. However, Sam, with the amount of momentum seems to be behind Trivium, and the fact that the last two albums have been good, the sin in the sentence, and I forgot the name of the album that came out in twenty nineteen. What the dead men? What the dead men what say? The dead men say? Yeah, that's it. So the sin in the sentence, what the dead men say, were both very good. In the Court of the Dragon, in my opinion, is genuinely one of the best songs Trivium have ever done. I love that song. Feast of Fire, the new track that accompanied this news, is very good. There's a real momentum that's behind Trivium. Sam, do you think that the prophecy could become fulfilled eventually for Trivium? And we can almost, we can just forget about the, the years where Trivium seemed to just kind of wallow and go straight into this weird sense of... They're a metal band that have got a big following, but they never really achieved their potential, and maybe now they're about to, possibly. Yeah, I, I, I could, I could see that. I'm striking my imaginary fictional wizard beard as I'm yeah. saying that, but yeah, I, I feel, I feel that way. Yeah, I, I, I think that the last, the last album in particular, as well as the really trivium like one, the lockdown as like a metal band, they were just superb. Some of the yeah. stuff they were doing online, the Twitch streams regular. and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were just they were just tremendous. Really came out of that like as winners, really in terms of raising their stock, connecting with their fans. Last album was tremendous. The album for that was very good. Since the sense was all right. For the demo side, was really really good. I'm really impressed with that. New single seems great. Um, agree with you. Appears to be um a growing growing sense of what that could be. Once again, we're excited about the potential of Trivium in future years, and we haven't been that for some time. Um, mm. I could absolutely see it. There are obviously whispers about headlining um, a Bloodstock as well, and that, and that sort of stuff, and moving up in festival stages and things of that nature. That's that's the next logical step. There's no reason, um, and we've had this conversation before. There's no there's no Metallica two. That's not happening. But um, there could absolutely be Parkway Drive headlining Bloodstock second stage download. No problem at all. I think they're already, if not there, incredibly yeah. close yeah, to yeah. there. Dude, I think that if this album does what the title track suggests it might do and becomes absolutely one of Trivium's top, top records, like Ascendancy, In the Court of the Dragon, What the Dead Men Say, Shogun, I think maybe this record could be the the real catalyst that potentially puts Trivium at the real forefront of 21st century metal, which is where we thought they were going to be, and they never quite got there. However, there's been a real change in the wind. These last two records, Sin the Sentence was good. What the Dead Men Say was very good. In the Court of the Dragon, the first two songs have been great. All of a sudden, Sam, perhaps Trivium are, are actually going to fulfil that potential. And it's exciting, isn't it? And, dude, Matt Heafy is amazing for metal. He really goes out of his way to promote new up-and-coming metal bands. If anyone deserves this, it is Matt Heafy. Not that Trivium have had a great career. You know, there's nothing to say that if Trivium don't end up headlining Download by 2026, that, that they can consider themselves failures. They've had a tremendous career, but we just we, we presumed that they would be fourth uh, forerunners and frontrunners of 21st century metal. I think they might end up doing it, you know, dude. If this record bangs, yeah, I think that's well within well within their sights, their abilities, and and perfectly perfectly possible and that probably wasn't the case really at all four or five years ago we weren't having that conversation in sort of 2016 2017 we just weren't well silence in the snow wasn't a great record um and no, vengeance falls was fine was it vengeance falls yeah. or in waves vengeance falls wasn't it? it was vengeance falls then silence in the snow in, wa in waves was pretty good in, in waves, waves was pretty good vengeance falls was was all right silence mm. in the snow wasn't great i didn't like that record full stop sin the sentence was good what the Demon said was very good. And here we go, man. I think we might be approaching a real big record. October 8th, dude, the records this year. I mean, I was just talking about September. And then, I, and then I, dude, I forgot Maiden are releasing an album in September as well. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, it could be a could be once again the the end of the year could be um a real flurry of album of the year contenders. Um, God knows what we're gonna do, mate. Jesus. <laughs> I know, we're going to have to start extending the list at this point. Mate, Turnstile at the end of this month as well. Do not talk to me about it, man. I love that <laughs> band so much. Oh, my God. I know, they've, they've, they've been doing things for me as well. Like I've been incredibly impressed last so year. Excited, so excited, dude. So excited. Dude, we, speaking of albums, let's move on to album reviews. We are going to start with Hooded Menace, the Tritonus Bell. It's out on August 27th for a season of Mist. It's the Finnish Death Doom Band's sixth record and the follow-up to 2017's, make sure I say this right, Asarian Silhouettes Unhallowed. This band Very are nice. awesome, man. This band are awesome. Honestly, I think Hooded Menace is the greatest band name I've ever heard. Brilliant. I think, Sam, previously on this podcast, we could probably be criticised for not paying as much attention to the underground as we should have, really. There's been times where there hasn't been a lot coming out and I've just kind of crawled around for something that's recently big to come out that's come out for us to talk about. Whereas this year, I specifically tried to, to get us into um, kind of crevices where we haven't been in before. And I think Death Doom, <laughs> I think Death Doom is one of those crevices, Sam. Um, I think I'll always want us to cover big releases when they hit. This year, I've tried expand, trying to kind of expand in our reviewing. And I think records like this kind of justify that decision, Sam, because I think this is a really fun, enjoyable record. There's a, a gargantuan amount of tempo sweeps and changes, which are really interesting to hear how they've been manipulated. The production is kind of slimy, sanguisugabog style of death metal. And I think that this is one of those records where the right crowd will lose their minds for this. For me, I really enjoyed this. It did become slightly repetitive to me towards the end. But I thought this was a really fun, enjoyable Death Doom record. What were you feeling on this? Yeah, I feel very, very similar. There, um, there are lots of moments here that I thought were really, really good. Um, I think there's a lot, of, like you said, there's a lot of fun to be had here. First things first, guitar tone, amazing, fantastic, amazing, deep, booming, slices through the mix, but at the same time, it's got a real depth to it. The lead passage is incredibly piercing. Some of the clean work, gorgeous, fantastic. Really well mixed, really well produced. Um, the vocalist, whose name I'm assuming you'll tell me at some point. Harry Quokin. Incredibly... That's wonderful. Um, Harry has a, a wonderfully deep, guttural voice that completely changes the atmosphere of the songs. Every time he arrives in it, that's phenomenal. Um, and I agree with you. If you're into Doom, this is this is this is right down your street. This is a great Doom record. Um, it's got driving riff work at the start, quite clearly. If you got the Cathonic Exordium which is at the start, which is like the traditional like prog metal clean passage, like sort of guitar shredded sort of opening. We've heard that a few times. Um, the driving riff work at the start was really really nice. I actually because it is Doom, but at the same time, there's actually a bit more up tempo stuff. Yeah. Here, it doesn't just say in one track, which has always been my criticism of Doom. Like it stays sort of second gear, and I'd like it to vary out. This absolutely does that. There was a bit of Megadeth here, I felt, at the start of this, with, with some of the riff work kind of sort of changing, the chords coming across and things like that. I thought that was really, really nice. The sort of piercing, stabbing chords in between the chucking guitar. The, there's a Doom halftime section, which is really, really nice. There's a lovely lead section in that um in that opening song, Chime Diabolicus. Which um, really colours the which colours the um, the main riff there and mirrors it up. There's like four riffs before, like four riff changes before the um, before the vocals really kick in. The song actually gets to get gets to grips. The transitions are always incredibly impressive from a musical standpoint. It's always really really good. Um, I, I enjoyed this a lot. I think Blood Ornaments was a good song. I love um, Blood I think Ornaments. It's, yeah, it's driving riff at the start. It's atmospheric and dark. Um, I preferred the song when it was like that up tempo tension element rather than when it's slow and methodical but the middle eight riff particularly is really really terrific um it's really smooth it's ironclad guitar tones impressive guitar solo which i think should have been longer um the issue i feel overall though is while like you say the songwriting feels feel a bit repetitive at times i actually feel that it sometimes can feel a bit disconnected um where it sometimes feels that lots of different ideas have shoved together without a 
without transitions necessarily. It just shifts to a different riff and things like that. And I think they could do a better job of sort of weaving some of their riffs and ideas together. Um, but that is that is a relatively small criticism in the in the grand the grand scheme of things. Because overall, I think this is a good a good album. Um, I think the one that absorbs the night is good as well. I like the continuing motif of the high pitch riff. I like the melodic section in the middle, uh, and it's sorry near the end of the song. It's the one song that really, really feels that everything seems to knit together really, really nicely. As it goes on, though, I don't know where you're coming from. It does feel a bit repetitive. Like Corpse Asunder and Scattered to the Dark feel very similar to each other. Um, and then obviously the only difference is Scattered in the Dark has that like sort of little girl sort of speaking at the end and that sort of stuff, and that sort of differentiates it. Um and instruments of sober finality is nice, and then there's that wasp cover at the, the conclusion. And I think it's I think it's overall it's very good. Like I said, for a certain crowd, it's heavy, it's chunky, it's well structured relatively. The vocals are great. Um, some of the some of the musical performances here are really terrific. I do think it's got flaws that kind of really you can you can actually kind of attach to this type of genre in general is that it it does occasionally sort of stumble from idea to idea without really being as connected as it could be. Um, and sometimes it does feel a little bit samey near the conclusion of the record. But I think overall you can see why, despite being an underground band, that this band have maintained their sort of consistency, getting onto sixth albums. Clearly they've got a, a fan base that they keep appealing to. And I can't imagine that this is going to be any different. I'd be curious to see the makeup of this record in terms of how it's actually put together. Because uh, Lassay Pico, who is the lead and rhythm guitarist, is also the bassist. Oh, and I'm curious whether he does what Toes in the Bar see does from Animals as Leaders and just like plays a nine string and does the lead and the bass, or whether he literally does lead guitar and then records bass, and then when they go on tour, they bring a session bass musician with them. Some but, bands also have a live ba- have a bass track just being played over the PR. Ah, well, yeah. Songs that I, are playing as well. I suppose that could be as well. But I think uh, Lassay, or Lassa, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his name. I think he's really the star of the show, man. Like, I, I think some of the riffs that he churns out on this album are amazing. Like, those who absorb the night, it's the one moment of the record where I was like, wow, there's like a real melodic hook on this. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, melody on this. Very new wave of American heavy metal, uh, which I wouldn't have expected there. And then <laughs> it's awesome because Harry's Harry's vocal, he comes in with a, a lyric laying a wreath on this world cursed by the afterlife. And it's got this real low-end growl. But because of the way the guitars are written on that song, you get put into a full sense of melody despite despite mm. how low Harry's because vocal actually is. Yeah. yeah, and there's a there's a clean riff that comes into the chorus, which is beautiful. You mentioned Corpus Asunder, and I, and I thought that was got this real kind of straight dark death metal from the outing, which I loved. It's probably the most direct, aggressive opening on the album because a lot of the other songs on the album kind of build, whereas Corpus Asunder really got, is the bull out of the gate and comes straight for your throat. There's a rhythm riff. There's a rhythm riff from Timu, which comes over the cleans, over the top. It's beautiful. There's one of the few times actually that Harry's vocal c- catches you off guard because Harry's vocal comes in literally on Chime Diabolicus and you get the idea of exactly what he's going to deliver. But his spoken word on Corpus Asunder is is something that caught me off guard. He doesn't stick at it very long. He just brings back the nightmarish growl <laughs> shortly after. But yeah. it is it is it was a nice break up. And then I think that where I really thought that Lassai was the real, really clear he was the MVP, is on Instruments of Somber Finality. The guitar sound on that is amazing. Like, parts of that song could be Iron Maiden passages. It's lit, some of it is written like a classic metal track. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I think, and this isn't as a criticism to Harry, his vocals are great and they're perfectly fitting for what this album tries to do. But I think Instruments of Somber Finality is probably the best song on the album. The fretwork is stunning. And the drummer, whose name I'm going to remind, there's no one going to remember his name, Pekka Koskello, he's the drummer's name. His drums are so finely balanced against Lassa as well. The, the Instruments of Somber Finality is a real, real beautiful, beautiful track. There's something really kind of just drawing and infectious about the way the track has been written. 
I loved Blood Ornaments. The opening riff blew me away. There's a clean sound that drops into this thick death metal stomp. There's a, and there's a pace shift in the chorus. And that's something that I mentioned right at the start when I was talking about this album. Mate, the amount of pace shifts that come into this is crazy. Considering this is a Death Doom record, mate, there's so many tempo changes. It's amazing. I agree. I agree. And that's that's one of the things that really sort of differentiates it from its typical contemporaries is that it's able to sort of um, rotate between the high pitch stuff, uh, the high tempo stuff and sort of the low tempo stuff. And I, I really think that's a, that's a real strength of the record because there's a real groove and power to a lot of these songs. But also they're able to stretch out and expand beyond that own, their own genre. I think there's some moments of real terrific musicality. I, I like your point on the sober finality song. It's incredibly true. It's 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 really really well crafted and well put together. It's a really it's a really um, terrific lead passage that starts off, um, and and really sort of engaging and compelling within that. This is a really 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 talented band. I went into this with little to no expectation, not really listened to Hooded Maze before, had like a relative idea of what to expect. But you mentioned Doom. Mate, this is one of the most interesting and most fun Doom records I've I've ever heard. Quite. Yeah. And that that's not me saying it's the greatest Doom album of all time. I'm not massive on Doom. I haven't got great historical knowledge of Doom. But of the Doom records I've heard, this is most fun than 90% of them. It's really fun to listen to. Yeah, I think that's very. I think that's fair to say, mate. I will probably leave off here, Sam, with just saying that, in terms of following this up, what Hooded Menace would do next from this, I guess where the first time you go into a band that you've never really heard much about before or not heard much of the music before, the minimum expectation is that you would be interested in hearing what comes next, dude. I'm I'm all in for band um, for album seven. This is really yeah, good, man. I, I really enjoyed I, this. Absolutely, and they're well worth a journey from albums one to five. We're going to finish off, Sam, on Between the Buried and Me, Colours 2. It's out on August 20th via Sumerian Records. It's the band's 10th full studio album and the follow-up to 2018's Automata and Automata 2. However, spiritually, this is a successor to their 2007 album, Colours 1. Um. Between the Buried and Me are seen as one of the great prog metal bands of our generation. Even as someone who is not interested in a great deal of prog, I'm aware of what they bring to the table and what an important band they've been. You know, would there be a periphery without a Between the Buried and Me? It's a question that's certainly up for debate. For full disclosure, I've not listened to Colours 1, which came out in 2007. As I've mentioned, and as regular listeners will know, I rarely go out of my way to listen to prog metal if it's not Mastodon. So, supposedly, there are a lot of Colours 1 Easter eggs in this album, and they would have gone straight over my head. I just wanted to make, I just wanted to mention that first, in case someone listens to this review and he's like, hang on, how did he not know that that was something from Colours 1? Um, but I am aware that the first Colours, which came out in 2007, is heralded as one of the great prog albums of the 21st century. Sam, as we get into this review, I've got to start with this. I honestly don't think I've ever heard an album where so much happens. I don't think I, I've ever I, heard an album with that where so much goes on. It's insane, this is. Yeah, I, I completely agree. This is um, this is jam-packed with things. <laughs> yeah, stuff. you know how we were I, talking about Ophidian and I a few weeks ago. Now, Ophidian and I was, was full of like stuff, but... It was full like of this. the same things. It was full of just insane, crazy, how on earth are you doing this lead passages? This is this is full of an absolute mountain range of sounds and ideas. And I've got to say, Sam, they make it work somehow. I don't know how this album really works with all the million things that it does. This is... Um, We've not reviewed anything like this before. No, this is extraordinary. This is extraordinary. This isn't prog metal. This is prog. So take away the metal aspect because it's metal occasionally. Um, it's 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 at times it's like progressive jazz. Yeah. And progressive funk. And progressive Latin. 
And progressive uh, Crash Bandicoot sounds. Because <laughs> there's a, and there's a song. Progressive Crash Bandicoot sounds, yes. Let me remind myself of the song that comes in with the, like, what was it called now? The, was it, I think it was Prehistory. Yeah, it's like, right, yeah, Prehistory. There was, the there was solo running underneath, yeah. There were some moments on it where I was like, hang on, that literally, that those kind of effects, that, that sounds like something you'd hear on Crash Bandicoot. I can't believe this. This is Yeah, it was, it was classic cartoon music, wasn't it? Like, cr- sort of crazy. Stuff. It's, it's, what it's, on it's, earth? it's extraordinary. Um, I've, yeah, I, I agree with you. I've, I've never quite heard anything like this. I'm going to be listening to Colours, like, today. Um, I think it's really important that we both do that as well uh, because I haven't. I haven't heard the first colours. I heard, I know who Between the Buried and Me are and I knew that there were sort of like like Dillinger Escape Plan-esque Metal Godfathers, progressive, that type of stuff. Um, but I just never stumbled across. You know, just we'd never cross paths. Um, hearing this, these are, this is just, I, there, I, there was like four different bands here. I've never yeah. heard musician. I've never heard musicians like this because I, I really need to emphasize that um, this isn't just metal. It's so much more expansive. This is four or five terrific musicians just getting together and writing stuff. I don't know how some of this stuff has been transitioned to actually work together as well. Um, I complained just on the on the previous record that we that we reviewed, Hooded Menace, that they they didn't transition well enough. This. It's oh. somehow, somehow utterly, utterly seamless to the point where within 15 seconds you can go from a metalcore song to like a progressive jazz song and it doesn't feel you got lost on the way. I don't know how that happens. I just don't know. There are, there are moments that are just little, little shifts that take you into little corridors and then take you back out again and you forget how they got you there because all of a sudden you're just... You're just in this different world. Yeah. Um, it's it's extraordinary. Um just at the start, I thought, okay. Just to give you like a, the expression of sort of when I heard this at first, I was like, okay, bit of synth, driving riff. You're talking about monochrome, bit, the opener. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I thought, okay, maybe they're a nightwish type band. At that moment I felt like that. You know, biggie, big chunky chorus. Um, and then when it came back in with the synths over the top, I was like, okay, bit black metal, you know, that type of stuff. Um, and then double helix of construction happened. Extinction, and I sorry. Thought, oh, double helix sorry, of yes, you're right. Uh, ex- double helix of extinction, thank you very much. Came around, I said, oh, they're no longer a Nightwish type band. They're something else. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, they're a groovy and classic metalcore band. Maybe they're a bit more like August Burns Red. Uh, maybe a bit like, you know, periphery before periphery, like we were talking about the intro. Um, and then there was a there's like a m- melodic section, and then it breaks into um, a clave, which is a Latin drum beat, like the dun dun dun. And I'm like, I no longer know what this band are. And it's the second second track in. I'm like, I've just you have to just at that point, I threw away all my preconceptions and just carried on listening, um, because they just then just took me on a, took me on a journey. Um, there are moments of not just great music. I think there are moments of real magic here, like real work. Uh, moments of genius and artistry here. Yeah. Um, on that on that track I just mentioned, um, Double Helix of Extinction. There's that periphery snake in prog riff, breaks into a beautiful breakdown, and then brings back again with this atmospheric clean pick section where again I feel like I've just been taken into. Like some oceans of slumber stuff, which I know you—I know you weren't a massive sort of fan of—but again, it's that atmospheric prog feel to it, and that completely is fine, despite the fact that literally three and a half minutes ago I was listening to metalcore, and the minute and a half ago I was listening to whatever that Latin section was. And it so, what was that Latin drum beat called? Sorry, it's a clave. Clave. So, because I got in my notes here that Double Helix of Extinction. It's got this thudding metallic hardcore track, pinch harmonics, pace to Lee riffs, harsh screams, amazing. And then I've put it breaks into a drum sound I've literally never heard before. Because, mate, what is that? Yeah, so it's a it's a clave. So the the the, the, the kick drum follows the beat on every so so dun 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 dun, and then the the snare literally hits every every other beat sort of on and off. So un. right, okay, yeah, yeah. So it just goes on the off beat. Uh, it's it's Latin. It's usually used for like Latin American stuff, and occasionally dance dance music. Use it. You you you. 
you once you've heard it now, you'll probably hear it in like some some dance music that quite right. happens quite regularly. Um, but t- typically, it's like it's a it's a Latin it's a Latin beat, um, which is a, a bit of jazz and stuff like that, which is fantastic. Um, to have that in a in a metal song, and as well, while while it was like vocals going on as well, it wasn't just like an instrumentation thing where they're just like let's just try this out for a bit. It was just like a part of the song. It was it's I, I've never heard anything anything like it really at all um revolution in limbo i think that's the best song on the album oh well. i thought you'd go for fix the error i can't wait for you to talk about fix the error i'm i'm just literally chomping it in the bit for F- you to talk about fix, that song. fix the error is my favorite moment on the record but the best song is revolution in limbo i feel um but f- fix the error we're going to talk about that in a moment yeah that, yeah okay <laughs> um <laughs> Um, Rev- Revolution, Revolution in Limbo. I thought was the, the first real highlight of the album. I thought it was the, the chorus is just massive, really, really good. The, the lead passage of the chorus section is just tremendous. Um, the songs transition smoothly in a way, in a way that I've really never heard in my life. Uh, sways from idea to idea, vibe to vibe. It transitions from metalcore to prog. It's just seamless. It, and, and 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 no band does this this well. To transition from those two genres to go progressive to metalcore like this is just superb. Um, there's like a light jazz section, mate. That yeah. kind of Mexican bar at midnight sound. What? Where did that come from? And I was like, again, this is surely going to be just instrumental. And then that no, they added lyrics and like sung over it. Like that was like a that's like a next verse. Like it yeah. was extraordinary. Um, the music at the end of what I think a harpsichord is. You know, the, the, the sort of like the harp type sound. I think that's yeah. a harpsichord, like a classic. And then it kicks in with the lead and the harpsichord was doing the thing at the start. And it was just like this full circular song construction. It was like, it was like, it was like watching a great film for the first time. And you're figuring out the stuff like 15 seconds before it happens and getting immediately rewarded. You're like, oh, that's that guy from, and, and it's all happening. That's that level of excitement that you're sort of getting from this. I've, I've, I've not felt like that about an album for a very long time in terms of the musicality. And and then... Come and then on, mate. the era. Go on, mate. Um, this, um, this is about as as great a piece of metal drumming. Or, well, it's not metal drumming. It's just together. This, is, this is one of the best drum tracks I've ever heard in my life um this is just incredible um this is um a cross between buddy rich and message in a bottle by the police and the drum solos that neil peart used to do um only they've actually just put it on a record and structured it around this to start off here with this like 16th note um snare roll to begin with and it breaks into this fast-paced verse that just appears to be just vi- um, going backward and forward between these drum rolls and just flicking in and then about a minute and a half, they just abandon what a song is altogether and just let the guy cook. And the drummer here is extraordinary. So you, you, what you're getting, essentially, it's a jazz style of, of drum solo where it usually would be, you usually actually hear this with like horns and stuff. If you watch some of the classic jazz drummers like Buddy Rich, like Cozy Powell is a big famous rock drummer with like just jazz experience and things like that. You would hear these sort of circumstances where the horns would just do stabs in between drum fills. So it'd be like, dun, 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 that yeah. sort of stuff. And that's what's going on here, but it's with like an organ sound, isn't it, instead? Yeah. Rather than a synth. And what he's doing here is extraordinary. To start off with, they're just these beautiful, beautiful snare rolls that are just being coupled around the kit. I just want to add a little bit of context for people listening, sorry. Uh, The first drum solo is by Mike Portnoy from Dream Theatre. The second is by Naveen Copperweiss from Animals as Leaders. And the third is by Ken Shark from Candiria and World Fire Brigade. I just wanted to add a little bit of context in for people there listening. There's three drum solos. It's just just extraordinary. But the, the, the the, the key thing is, is that it does take on different styles throughout and you yeah. can tell when there's a different drummer playing, but they're still so beautifully done and, and so seamlessly placed together. You're getting a combination of these wonderful snare rolls at the opening mixed in with some gorgeous cymbal work where um, the, the, this stuff's playing while you're sort of playing this sort of cowbell and then it flicks Amazing. to this sort of work on the work on the splash cymbals in between this sort of stuff. And then my favourite part is when... I don't know. I think it's the second drummer completely abandons the idea of doing the traditional drum solo altogether and starts playing a beat in the middle. 
And he does that 16th on the hi-hat over the top and slows it down and then comes back in with these sort of flams and these fills in the end and these sort of triplets. It's just utterly gorgeous. And every time you think it's going to finish, it extends a little bit. I've not, I've not heard a song that has given that much time to the drummer and it's been used that well in the studio really ever in, 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 in the genre, in the genre, at least it is just utterly extraordinary. It really isn't a song. It's, it's let's, let's just do this. Let's just do it. Let's just give the drummer, drummers, drummers an opportunity because it is just utterly, utterly extraordinary. Um, I've, I've never heard anything like it. What from a drummer's perspective, what do you even say about it? If you're a, if you're a metal fan, if you're between the buried and me fan, and you play drums, you listen to this, and you are spending the next four weeks of your life figuring that out and out for now. Um, because that's what I'm going to be doing um, for the next sort of month. I'm going to be sort of sitting with this and trying to figure out exactly where those Tom Phil's come in, exactly how he accents it and stuff, because it's, some of the stuff is just utterly, utterly gorgeous. It is, is extraordinary. What do you think? I've never heard a song as percussively impressive as Fix the Error, ever. Like, I, I haven't listened to all of Rush. I sat there, mate, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing from the drums on that song. I didn't. Because, obvi- and obviously, I don't understand either, really. But perhaps that's the biggest kind of exclamation mark behind how impressive yeah, this song is. I don't understand. I don't really understand. And I'm like, what is this? The, uh, the drum solo with the cowbell. I I think that's Naveen Copperweiss from Animals as Leaders. Mate, yeah, I couldn't sense. believe that. I was like, what is this? How is it? I don't understand this at all. I also loved, you know, we've spoken about the drummers and absolutely we should because it, it literally, I don't understand. But, mate, the riff work, there's a moment where the cowbell blends into his harsh riff for like yeah. five seconds and then it turns like a galloping classic metal track. Then there's a breakdown that comes in after a blare and I'm like, what is, what is going on? This is, is the craziest thing I've ever heard. I don't understand. What is happening? This album is... The it's, I've never heard an album like this where there's just a million things happening. We were talking, like I say, we were talking about Ophidia and I, and we were like, I've never heard an album like this. But that was that was a million of the same thing. That was a million riffs. This is a million different literal musical things. I don't get this album at all. It's it's stunning, mate. And I, I couldn't wait for you to talk about Fix the Era. I actually, and with you, I think Revolution in Limbo is the best song on the album because there's a splicing riff that opens that song that is amazing. And one yeah. of the things that I it's love, incredible. one of the things I love about this album, one of the things I struggled with Oceans of Slumber, is that Oceans of Slumber, when it's like a nine-minute track, there wasn't a lot of, well... Chris isn't like musically trained and doesn't really understand the concept of being musically trained. And there was no like real grit or growl to it. Whereas Revolution, whether is in this album, there's loads of it. This album, if you took out the, if you spliced out the heavy sections and put them all together, this would be a great metal record. I mean, it's got a million other things to it, but it'd be, you could make a great metal album out of the sections of metal in this album, couldn't you? Like, Yeah, you could. You absolutely could. You could make a great anything album out of this. Yeah, yeah that's good. It's, yeah, it's yeah. insane that the, 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 the leftovers from this would be an extraordinary prog album. The leftovers from this could be an extraordinary anything else album. I, th- I think that they, they're just so... It's such an extraordinary collection of musicians. I think this is just, just, just astonishing. It, it really, really is. Because then you got the, the next song as well. And we, we, we just talk about it. it's never seen in future slash future shock. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. There's a, there's a fantastic slippery rift to open. There's a lead passage that follows. And then they're like, oh, what genre have we left? Oh, a bit of folk. Do you fancy doing that? There's a bit of folk about two minutes in. Let's say like Jethro Tull for 90 seconds. Um, but this is this is actually where they sound like Rush, I feel, because uh, there's the, there's a combination of this progressive element. This goes this massive melodic section that builds up, um, the relief riff just beautifully underpins, um, and then there's like a rotation of vocals and then transitions out again. Um, I've just never heard any song songs that are ambitious. And then at, ni- at the nine minute mark, by the way, <laughs> at the nine minute mark <laughs> of this song, yeah. um, there is one of the best bass riffs I've ever heard in my life. It's just beautiful. Just that that the groove and the jauntiness to it and the, the fact that it's just so beautifully played and just the let atmosphere let lets it work out and the band comes back in around it. It's just 
It's just phenomenal. Ridiculous. It's just phenomenal. It, it just there were so there were so many different multiple moments of just when well, they've just caught fire and inspiration. I feel, but at the same time, I I, I can tell that this is just so meticulously crafted and so beautifully put together. These are masters of their craft. We talked about you, right? You said um, talked about Fiji and I. We'd never heard anything like it. We had. We just never heard it that quick. Or that yeah. fast, yeah, or that yeah. that piece together, you know what I mean? It's like that's an that's a, that's an extension of what we've had before. Um, this obviously, you know, there's, there's prog fans listening to this, being like, "Oh my god, you've not heard this before." This yeah. is just a, okay, cool. And this is the same as the first album, whatever. That's fine. We haven't, and this is a, a fantastic sort of um, introduction to this. And in terms of what metal is becoming ma- rapidly capable of, um. This is a progressive, incredibly progressive album that has compelled you yeah. to listen to it. Yeah. yeah. Who is not a progressive metal fan at all, really. No. no. Um, winces at songs over the six minute mark. I imagine you had an aneurysm when you looked at the final song on this album. Yeah, 15 like, minutes. 15 I was like, oh, minutes. Oh, oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> but, mate, to be fair, Human is Hell That's is a banger. That's a loose album, that is. Yeah, brilliant, uh, mate. Human is hell. Is a is a beautiful though. Brilliant. Yes, it is, and I, I wanted to talk about that almost separately as well because I think that there's there's moments here that are just it, it almost like it becomes almost like difficult to to sort of keep up with at times. Like the prehistory yeah. thing, I was just laughing out loud. There's a bass solo, with guitar, cartoon music ongoing in the background. Um, Staring to the best actually by contrast just felt like a normal song. Which is a yeah, prog, it feels like a prog yeah. metal song. It feels really like epic, though, doesn't it? That the, yeah, it's got it's like, like six minutes. I was like, oh, is that it, lads? Come on. Then. It's got like a two-minute instrumental that builds and builds and builds, and then Paul's sweeping vocal comes in, and it feels absolutely massive. Speaking of which, you know what? I should do this. We need to give credit to the musicians. Yes. Tommy Rogers is harsh vocalist and keyboard. Paul Wagner lead and rhythm guitar and uh, backing and lead vocals. He does the clean vocals. Dusty Waring does lead and rhythm guitar. Blake Richardson is the drummer and Dan Briggs is the bassist. Absolute shout out to, I mean, what on earth? How could you possibly be so good at your instrument? I don't want to interrupt you talking about human as hell because no, no, I'm sure you've got plenty of really like interesting things to say about that. But the, po- the point of the record where I was like, I don't think you're supposed to understand this was Bad Habits. Mate, the patterns <laughs> that open that track. Yeah, it's I, I was like, what is? I don't understand this at all. It's the, this gorgeous fret bending solo that comes in. There's another cowbell mount. I love cowbell drums, and what one thing I, one thing that got me as well. I was like, this is amazing. There's a proper classic rock riff that acts as yeah. the track's backbone, but it goes on a loop and it's so infectious. There's this really incredible ending to the song. Uh, Connect and forget is the looping vocal line with the turntable drums from Blake Richardson. Absolutely stunning. And then just before you finish off talking about um, Human is Hell, mate, I absolutely adore the keyboard, proper 80 synth sound that runs through the futures behind us and Turbulent. It the, Kind of the same sound goes through both. And it's really intelligent how those two songs have been linked together. Those two are really brilliant, man. I, I love those two so much. The keyboard sound is just sumptuous, man. Beautiful. I agree. I, I, I agree. There's some, there's some, the moments of just utter mastery. That last song, I think yeah. it's it's a masterpiece. I think it's just a, it's, a, it's a work of art. Some of that, some of the moments in that song, it, it's 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 15 minutes and it's really it's really four songs sort of pieced together, woven in together. Because um, it, it starts and I'm like, and she's heavy early. When I see 15 minutes, I'm thinking, oh, right, it's like a three minute slow intro. Yeah. Right, it's gonna be a guitar solo at the beginning, it's a build up. That's the this immediately sort of gets into this teeth gnashing heavy again. The transitions are just extraordinary. I don't know how they're gonna try and attempt to play this live, god forbid. Um, but there's an absolutely massive chorus of like four and a half minutes in after the riff sort of run out. It's, again, it's huge and it's it's immediately like you said, the infectious is a great word for it. Immediately compelling, immediately engaging, and then. It breaks away from that into this gorgeous, central, clean figure that just slowly, once again, builds up and transitions into this piano section, which, again, I love when I feel, when I start to see the overall motif start to come together. Because I'm like, oh, that was at the start, and we're bringing it back to the piano. 
And then the synth matches the opening lead riff that they started with. And then it, it comes back and just matches the opening riff again. There's this big sort of crescendo and this final successful note. And it is just, it's orchestral, really, just with electronic music, electronic instruments. It is, in terms of a structured work of art, this is just phenomenal. This is the a technological blueprint of, of, of music. This is, this is just absurd. Um, I have, I, I'm with you. I, I have heard lots of prog. I've not quite heard prog like this. Um, there's, there's, there's no confines to what this is. This is a, a really musical, musically expansive journey. Um, and again, this is one of those albums where I don't have in my head, anybody that I think would, and I should show this to in terms of like, oh, they're a massive fan of this type of music. I should show you, but I kind of want to show everybody that I know that likes music. Yeah, like it's it's that sort of thing. Like if we weren't doing a podcast and I had heard this, I'd be at your house like within minutes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like like sprinting. Like I'd be like, you need to. I need to sit down and watch you sit down and watch it and listen to this because it is just mind blowing. I think you'd probably do the same, and that that's just. That, that's how that's how this music is infectious. Um, I also like that they have absolutely no interest. It seems no interest in writing anything that's meant to appeal to anyone for any particular reason, other than what they think fits and works. There's clearly an attempt for artistic integrity here, and they know that their their fan base just wants them to be them. There's just a incredible um, texture of sort of the musical tapestry. It's so thick so many layers of music here there's so many things just melding into each other that this this is a this is an album that just needs really to be sat with enjoyed and 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 taken at various points i also don't think this is an album that you can jump in and out of this isn't this isn't a this is an album where i'd like put them on a playlist and just shuffle I'd, I'd need you need to decide it's like watching like a long film or like the godfather you can't watch the godfather in like two sittings you have to just sit down and, and deal with it and that and this is what this is it feels like you, you really need to sort of immerse yourself into it um and i think that's that's extraordinary to get this far into the 21st century where prog metal really has been around for best part of 40 years now and seemingly still we are still advancing the idea of what great prog can be what great musicians are capable of um i think this is i think that's phenomenal because this is this is tremendous this is um really really impressive album really really incredible piece of work there's no way i could have possibly done this record justice i let you run with most of this review because you could do it justice and I couldn't. And I, I mean that as a compliment to the record because I don't get this. I don't understand most of what happens on this album. It's, it's so obtuse. But, and I don't mean that as a negative. This is what one of the very few... I mean, this album is nearly an hour and 20 minutes long. If you would have... If you passed me a CD... And you said, this is an hour and 20 minutes long. I would take the snare and snap it over my knee and pass it back to you. And be like, don't, <laughs> don't ever do that to me ever again. Don't bother. Do you know what I mean? It just... It just it's, Merry Christmas. Yeah. It's just usually just not my thing whatsoever. I couldn't help but just literally sit, chin in my hand, and just listen to this and just be like, what is going on? This is crazy. And perhaps the biggest compliments I can pay, just like you said, I'm gonna go back and listen to colours because I I need to know where this where this has come from. Yeah. Because supposedly this is like a follow up, like a, a spiritual successor, and there's loads of Easter eggs of colours one on colours two that have obviously gone over mine and your head because you've never listened to the first one. This is a genius piece of music that I don't understand. Almost I don't want to understand. It's kind of like. You know, I don't want Sleep Token to unmask. I don't want to see who's done it. And, you know, it's like, I don't want to see the spe how the special effects were filmed. You know, I, I, like, I want to live in my idea of suspending my disbelief. This is genius, really special. Never heard anything like this before. Probably won't hear anything like this again until the next album. What a genius piece of music. What else can you say? Literally nothing, mate. They're a, they're a phenomenal band that clearly are just giving us the opportunity to see how fantastic they are at their individual instruments. This is a this is a, a crowning achievement. This is fantastic. That is where we're going to leave off episode 78 of the Noise Podcast. We are going to be back in a fortnight's time. I am going to look at the release schedule and see what we've got coming up, but I know full well 
that Turnstile's new album will be out by then. I guarantee you now we will be talking about the new Turnstile album and I'm going to be standing on this chair jumping into the <laughs> jumping into the up and down into the camera with my elation because i'm telling you now that album is going to be amazing i love that band so much uh, so yeah we are going to be back in two weeks time we should have a, a guest on that on the episode in two weeks we do apologize for not including one here just couldn't get around to it with some of the timings and schedules for people and stuff however we should have a guest on the episode in two weeks we are going to be back then Remember to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, like or follow, depending on which service you are using. Follow me and Sam on Twitter at Noise Podcast. We both run that account. We're going to be back in two weeks. Thank you for listening. We love you. Bye. <laughs>